I want to encourage you to grab your Bible and go to Acts chapter 28. Acts 28. If you don't have a Bible today, there should be a Bible in the seat back in front of you. And if you don't own a Bible, that Bible is our gift to you. And you can use that Bible and take it home with you so you have a Bible to read at home. We'll have many of the verses on the screens today, but I want to encourage you to have something to follow along in. Acts 28. If you are ready to dive into God's word today, would you say amen? Anybody like that? Acts chapter 28, verse number one. The Bible says this. And when they were escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita or Malta. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came up a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Verse number five. And he shook off the beast. Everybody say shook off. He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Today for a few minutes on this last Sunday of 2021, I want to speak to this subject, shake it off from Acts chapter 28. I will not be singing a Taylor Swift song this morning. I'm sorry to disappoint. Let's have a word of prayer together. God, thank you so much for this day that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity to come together to worship you for who you are. God, we acknowledge that you are sovereign and that we are not. And God, we do not pretend to know all of the answers of this life, but we're thankful that you do know all of the answers and your word is perfect and inspired. And so Lord, I pray that today we can look to your word, that we can find encouragement in our time together and that we can embark on a new year in a way that is pleasing to you. We love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said today. This past week, Katie and I, we spent some time with family in the high desert in Lancaster. And apparently all the rage right now in Lancaster is a new coffee shop, Dutch Brothers Coffee. Anybody ever have Dutch Brothers? This place was hopping in Lancaster. And Katie kept on hinting to me uh, this past week that she wanted to visit Dutch Brothers. And she kept on saying, man, it sure be nice to have a Dutch Brothers cup of coffee. And that sounds really good. And and, uh, the line probably won't be too long. And after enough hints, I got the point. And I eventually found my way to Dutch Brothers Coffee. And uh, the line was almost an hour long. Now, I enjoy coffee. How many of you are coffee drinkers? You enjoy coffee, okay? But I do not enjoy coffee enough to wait in an hour-long line for coffee, okay? Uh, I am content with a Kirkland Signature K-Cup, okay? That, that is something that I am very satisfied in. And uh, we went, we got the Dutch Brothers coffee, and it was very good. I'll give it an 8.6 out of 10, okay? Very good coffee. And uh, there's something exciting about a new beginning. There was this buzz in the air, everyone coming to this brand new coffee shop. There's something exciting in life about a new beginning. Spiritually speaking, there's something uh, exciting about a new beginning. We're starting a new year and and new opportunities to serve and worship the Lord. The Bible talks often about new beginnings. 
I love that verse in Lamentations that his mercies are new every single morning. And uh, God loves to offer a fresh start and a new beginning. This week I was reading uh, Time Magazine. They have their year in review article that they do every year. And the opening line I thought was interesting for 2021. This was the opening line of the article. It was a, uh, speaking of 2021 this year, it was a lurking, stammering year that began in hope, flirted with whiplash, and shuddered to a halt. And I thought, wow, you know, very dramatic opening line. And uh, for many people, 2021 was not the bounce back year that we were hoping for, right? After 2020, we thought, man, uh, there's hope on the horizon with 2021. But for many people, their expectations were not met. And it was a year filled with ups and downs and twists and turns. And here we are today on December 26, getting ready to start yet another new year. And this morning, I want us to look from the Word of God and learn some biblical principles about how we can embark on this new year, on this new journey. The Bible puts it this way in Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. Paul said, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Paul said, hey, I want to move forward in the calling that God has for me. And if I'm going to move forward in the calling that God has for me, there has to be some things in my life that I'm willing to leave behind. I'm going to leave some things behind me so that I can move forward in the calling that God has for me. And I don't know what it is for you today, but I believe that all of us could have some things that need to stay in 2021. Maybe it's a sin that you struggle with. Maybe it's a temptation that you battled. Maybe it's an anxiety that has gripped your heart. And I believe that there are many things that we ought to leave behind. Uh, the author of Hebrews put it this way in Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1. Wherefore, seeing we're also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And so he says there's some sins that we need to leave aside, but then there are just some weights that we need to, uh, bes- uh, uh, that would easily beset us, and we need to run with patience the race that is set before us. And so this morning, I want to talk about how we can leave some things behind, how we can shake it off, and how we can move forward in the plan that God has for us. And to do that, we're going to look at Acts chapter 28. And in Acts chapter 28, we come to this crisis moment for the Apostle Paul. If you read Acts chapter 27, Paul was a prisoner on a ship on his way to Rome. They encountered uh, a terrible storm. Everyone was uh, uh, very fearful. All hope was taken away. And at the last verse of Acts chapter 27, we kind of see what happened. In fact, if you have your Bible open, notice the last verse of Acts 27 and verse 44. It says this, And the rest some on boards and some on broken pieces of the ship. So the, uh, the ship just completely fell apart and some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they escaped all safe to land. Now in that verse, they don't know where they are. The ship just completely fell apart in this storm. They all find themselves on this little island. They don't know at first what this island is. And so they're feeling a bit disoriented. You know, often when we come to the end of the year after perhaps maybe a storm or a trial or difficulty, we can find ourselves in a moment of disorientation. How did I get here and how did that happen and why did that happen and why did God have me go through this season? And we can feel a bit uh, concerned as to the circumstances in our lives and feel a bit disoriented. But I want you to know today there is encouraging news because the only way that you can find true clarity in life is from Jesus Christ because the Bible says that he is the author of your story. He is the author and the finisher of your faith. And the Bible says that he is not the author of confusion. And so today, if you are disoriented, if you are confused, uh, Jesus said uh, to seek first the kingdom of God. And he said, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. 
And so he offers clarity in the midst of confusion. And so Paul and these uh, people that were on the ship, 275 other people on board the ship, they find themselves disoriented. They're on this island. They're not exactly sure where uh, they are. And it's in this moment that Paul could have very, very easily been frustrated, discouraged, and at this point decided, you know what, I'm just going to quit. I'm just going to give up. But we see in this passage that Paul decides to move forward. Now, notice verse number one. It says this, and when they were escaped... They knew that the island was called Melita, and so they come to this island, Malta. This is a little island. It's only about 17 miles wide and 10 miles long uh, in this little group of islands. And uh, uh, just uh, uh, this, this island just uh, uh, between Sicily and North Africa, and a very small little island. And this is where Paul finds himself. Today, if you go to this island, if you go to Malta, they actually built two churches to commemorate and, and honor this, uh, this story. I think we have a picture this morning. One is called the Shipwreck Cathedral. And they built this in honor of this, of this, uh, of this moment. This picture actually right here, uh, Malta was one of those bomb places during World War II. And that's what this picture is, is of. And if you go to the next one, this is the church, Shipwreck Cathedral, that you can go to today uh, that is commemorating this moment. And so Paul finds himself here, and he could have very easily been discouraged. I mean, Paul had already been shipwrecked. He had already been beaten. He, had, he was tired. But in this moment, Paul shows us and demonstrates how to shake it off and how to move forward in, in the calling that God had for him. And so today, if we're going to do that this year, as we approach 2022, I want to give us four very practical ways that we can shake it off and move forward, all right? And so if you're taking notes today, number one is this, trust that God will provide for you. Trust that God will provide for you. Now, let's pick it up in verse number two. Everybody with me this morning? Verse two. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness. In other words, they were very kind, right? And uh, they showed no little kindness, and, and they were being very hospitable, for they kindled a fire and received us and welcomed us, every one, because of the present rain and because of the cold. Now, in our minds, barbarous means, you know, someone that is going to be uh, hostile, someone that is going to be mean, someone that is going to uh, perhaps attack. But when Luke wrote this in Luke's day, uh, someone that is barbarous just meant someone that didn't speak the Greek language. And so if you did not speak the Greek language, then you were considered uh, someone that was barbarous. And so they did not speak their language, but they did speak the universal language of kindness. And I love what uh, these people do here uh, on this island of Malta. They show them kindness. It was cold. It was raining. And so they started a fire. They received them. They welcomed them in. They gave them shelter. These were not even people that were Christians, and yet they were demonstrating a Christian virtue, and that is the virtue of hospitality. The Bible says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. How many of you know that God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to other people and that we can be hospitable and welcome and receive? people into our lives. And so here's Paul. He is in a crisis moment, a desperate situation. He and 275 other members of this boat were now on this island and they needed warmth. They needed shelter. They needed some food. And that's exactly what God provided for them in this moment. Why? Because our God is always faithful to provide. And I love that God will often provide through unlikely relationships and unusual means. He provided through these Islanders, these people on the island of Malta, this is typically not how an island story will go. Typically, it's like you hear about cannibalism and cruelty, and they're going to attack, and, and that's exactly the opposite of what happened. Now they're showing kindness, and they're welcoming Paul in exactly what he needed. God provided 
for them. And as we approach this new year, there's a lot of things that could cause us to stress and a lot of different things that could cause us to have anxiety. And we can think about inflation and we can think about uh, the economy. We can think about uh, financial struggles and difficulties. We can think about the division in our country today. We can think about all kinds of different things, but we have to trust that our God will provide for us at exactly the right moment because he is a God of provision. This is what the Bible says in Matthew 6 verse 31. Therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed for after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly father watch this he knows that ye have need of all these things can I tell you today and encourage you today that God knows exactly what you need he knows if you are struggling financially he knows if you are hurting internally he knows if your relationships are falling apart he knows if you are scared entering into a new year he knows if you are overwhelmed can I tell you that he knows exactly what you need and he is the faithful God that can provide for you over and over and over again exactly what Paul needed in this moment God provided because he is faithful to provide. I love Psalm 34, verse number 10. The young lions do lack, and they suffer hunger. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good things. See, the people in the ancient world believed that lions were the most mighty animal. And a lion is is an animal that can hunt for themselves and provide for themselves, and they can take care for themselves, especially a young lion, a young lion in its prime that is strong and mighty. Uh, That young lion can provide its own food and can provide uh, its own needs. But, But what the psalmist says is even the young lion, with all of its strength and power, still goes hungry. Even when we think we have it all together and even when we think I'm strong and I've got a good plan, you should see my New Year's resolutions. You should see my goals. Even when we are strong and we think we have it all together, we can still go hungry. Just like the young lion. But I love the ending of the verse. But they that seek the Lord shall not want any good things. Anybody thankful today that when we seek the Lord, he is faithful to provide over and over and over again. God's will done God's way will never lack God's supply. And this is something that we can trust today. We can trust that God will provide for us. Here's the second thought today as we move forward into a new year. Learn to lead in the little things. Learn to lead in the little things. Now, there's no shortage of leadership content in our world today. Leadership training and and, uh, there's podcasts and books and articles and blogs and uh, so many different ways that we can sharpen leadership. And I think much of that content is good and helpful. But a lot of times, if we're not careful, leadership content can just turn into promoting my own agenda and advancing my own cause and my, my, my own position, my own platform. But what we see here is Paul's going to demonstrate leadership in little areas and little things. A.W. Tozer said this in regards to leadership. He said, a true and safe leader is likely to be one who has no desire to lead but is forced into a position of leadership by the inward pressure of the Holy Spirit and the press of the external situation. And so in other words, it's not about just me wanting my name up in the lights or or someone wanting their own position, their own title. It's someone that has this inward conviction of the Holy Spirit that I need to meet the needs of others. That's what true leadership looks like. Now, I want you to see in verse number three. Everybody with me? Notice verse three. And when Paul, now, now who's Paul? He's Paul the apostle, right? The great church planter, the greatest missionary the world has ever seen, ever seen author of two-thirds of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, verse 3. And when the Apostle Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, what do we see Paul doing in this moment? He's collecting firewood. He's picking up sticks. 
He could have been doing all kinds of different things. He could have said, you know what, I need to organize a, a giant prayer meeting and everyone needs to come and listen to me preach. And, and uh, he could have thought all kinds of different things. But instead, he said, you know what, what is the pressing need in this moment? A fire. We're cold. There's a lot of us. And so what does he say? He says, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to pick up firewood. He was serving in the little things. And I love that Paul's character is revealed. By the way, crisis always reveals character. When your back is against the wall, when life is difficult, and when you are in a difficult situation, your true character will often rise to the surface. And you can get angry and you can storm out. You can get angry or bitter. You can shut down and not talk to anyone. You can be, can, you can be bitter on the inside. But crisis always reveals true character. And we can't always control what happens to us. But by the grace of God, we can control our response. And Paul here is in a shipwreck situation. Things were not looking great. He was cold. It was raining. But what he is doing is he's leading and serving in the little things. And this is what true leadership looks like. True leadership looks a lot more like picking up some sticks than it does pursuing a platform. Paul said, I'm just going to pick up sticks. I'm just going to serve. He was leading and serving in the little things. By the way, our ultimate example of this is Jesus Christ. John chapter 13 says this in verse 3, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. That's leadership. And when you adopt the mind of Christ, you quickly realize that no job is beneath you. And that will look for ways and opportunities to serve. And so Paul is serving. He's leading in the little things. Notice verse 3. And when Paul had gathered the bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. I don't like snakes. Okay. I'm with Indiana Jones on that one. I don't like snakes. And uh, there are some people in our church that have snakes. And I pray for them often. I do not know. I do not know why that is. And so uh, Paul... Uh, he uh, was putting some sticks in the fire and a snake jumps out and fastens onto his hand. Verse number four. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom uh, though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Now, uh, this verse takes a little bit of unpacking to understand the historical context. Vengeance suffereth him not to live. Your translations might say justice, uh, the word vengeance, justice. When you unpack this in the Greek, uh, it's this Greek word DK, and it's actually a title for uh, lady justice or the goddess of justice. And so when you see the word vengeance or justice in that verse, it's actually a title. See, the barbarians believed that justice was the daughter of Zeus. And so we get a little bit of a glimpse into, into their theology. They said, man, uh, this man escaped the sea, and, and uh, he's been serving. They've been observing him. But they said, apparently, he's a murderer. He's a bad person. And, and Lady Justice is not going to permit him to live. And, and so they have, this, they have this kind of warped theology. And we get an insight as to what they were thinking. And I think this is fascinating for a couple of reasons. One, these people on Malta were pagans. These were not Christians. These were not Jewish people. And yet, they had a sense of right and wrong. Did you see it? They said, man, Paul must be a murderer, and because he's a bad person, then he's not going to be able to live. They had a, a moral compass. But here's my question. They weren't Jewish. They weren't Christians. They didn't have the Pentateuch. Pentateuch they didn't have the Talmud. So where did they get this sense of right and wrong? God put it there. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men 
who hold the truth in all unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Did you know that within all of us, God has with instilled within us a sense of right and wrong, that moral compass, and that sense of right and wrong that even the pagans of Malta had, uh, that points to the one true God, the one true creator. And so now the people of Malta, they're looking at Paul, and we see their uh, theology kind of spilling out. And notice what Paul does in verse number five. I love his response. Are you ready for it? And he shook off the beast into the fire, and he felt no harm. What did Paul do? Get this thing off me. That's what Paul did. He shook it off. He didn't dwell on it. He didn't ponder it. He shook it off. And I believe that this is symbolic of actually Paul's ministry as a whole. Anytime Paul experienced opposition, what did he do all throughout the book of Acts? He shook it off. When John Mark, his friend, his ministry partner, deserted him, what did he do? He shook it off and he kept on moving forward. When Paul was stoned and left for dead at Lystra, what did he do? He shook it off. When his ministry companion Demas forsook him, what did he do? He shook it off and he moved forward. And by the grace of God, as we embark into 2022, there ought to be some followers of Jesus that would say, you know what, I'm going to shake it off and I'm going to move forward in the calling that God has for me. I'm not going to dwell on this any longer. It takes time counsel, prayer. But by God's grace, we don't have to wallow in our situation. We can shake it off. We can move forward. Paul did this time and time and time again. Now, if we're going to do this, if we're going to do this, we have to practice this next principle. Okay, are you ready for number three? Be very careful who you listen to. Be very careful who you listen to. Now, I want you to see the criticism in verse number four. All right, everybody with me? And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, you know, whenever you're trying to serve the Lord, people will talk. Whenever you're trying to move forward in the calling that God has for you, there's going to be some talkers. They're going to talk among themselves, okay? They started talking among themselves. Watch this. No doubt. Everybody say no doubt. No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. They didn't even know Paul. They had just met him, but no doubt he's a murderer. I mean, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly, Paul's, see, the criticism came from people that Paul didn't really even know. I think it's important when it comes to criticism to consider the source of the criticism. Is this someone that knows me, that's trying to help me? Is this someone that loves me? Is this someone that's in my corner that's trying to help me? Or is this someone that is just trying to hurt me? Watchman Nee said this, many times men criticize us when we actually are following the Lord. Outside praise or criticism is inconsequential, but the testimony of our quickened conscience is momentous. To understand and to uh, uh, decipher uh, whether the criticism is valid or not, we have to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit and look to the word of God. 1 Peter 3.16, I love this. He says, having a good conscience... That whereas they speak evil against you, when people speak evil against you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation or your good lifestyle in Christ. If you have a good conscience, if you're doing your best to follow the Lord and you have godly counselors in your life and you're looking to the word of God and you're doing your best to follow the principles of God's word, hey, you can put to shame those naysayers, that they would be ashamed at the evil that they are speaking against you. And so Paul was experiencing this criticism. But what's so fascinating to me is watch how quickly the criticism turned. Okay, watch this in verse 6. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen 
down dead suddenly, but afterward that he had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds. And they said that he was a God. That was a pretty quick transition. They went from you are doomed and damned to now you are divine. You know, people are so fickle. It's, it's in our human nature. Uh, we can vacillate so quickly. And, and we're often quick to jump to conclusions. You know, one person, you know, that person gave me a dirty look. And now all of a sudden, man, everybody hates me. Nobody's for me. Maybe that person didn't even give you a dirty look. Maybe they just had a sneeze or were making a funny face. We don't know. We're so quick to jump to conclusions. And, and, and so often, uh, human nature, we are so fickle. And one minute, they're for you. One minute, they are against you. But I've learned this. Those that thrive in life are those that refuse to live in the court of public opinion. We've got to learn to shake it off. Not just the haters, but sometimes the praisers. Paul, you are amazing. You are divine. How quickly they change their minds. Wow, Paul, this is, this is incredible. You are, you are like a god. Be very careful that you do not start to think more highly of yourselves than you ought to think. Paul was receiving this, this praise. And I was reminded of this story in the Old Testament in where David was with his mighty men. And David was thirsty and he wanted some water. And David's mighty men were kind of like Navy SEALs. They were like the baddest guys, right? They were, they were tough warriors. And David was thirsty, and he says, man, I just wish I could have a drink of water. And 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15, and David longed and said, oh, that one would give me drink of water of the well of Bethlehem, which is by the gate. He says, man, I'm just thirsty. I wish someone could just get me a cup of water. And David's mighty men, they loved David. They were loyal. They were willing to make it happen. And so this is what they do. Second Samuel 23, verse 16. And the three mighty men break through the host of the Philistines and drew out, the, out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. And so David's mighty, went, mighty men went behind enemy lines. And they said, we're going to get you some water. And they said, David, uh, we love you. We're willing to risk our own lives because that's exactly what they did. They risked their own lives. David, we want to give you some water. And nevertheless, he would not drink thereof and he poured it out to the Lord. David got this water, and he took it, and he poured it out. Now, when I read that story when I was younger, I thought, that's messed up, David. Right? These guys just risked their lives for you. David finally got that water that you asked for, David. Could have kept that one to yourself if you didn't really want to drink it. They went behind enemy lines, brought David the water. David took the water, and he poured it out. The next verse, verse 17. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Is not this the blood of men that went in jeopardy of their lives? Therefore, he would not drink it. These things did these three mighty men. See, while David appreciated their sacrifice, David was demonstrating humility. And what he was saying is, I'm not worthy of that. I can't drink that praise. I can't accept that. He was demonstrating this Humility, And if you are going to move forward in 2022, you have to be willing to shake off the criticism, to pour out the praise, and be willing to live for the audience of one. His name is Jesus Christ. It's not about the haters and the praisers. It's about what God has to say about me. Galatians 1.10, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to, to please men? For if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. This morning, I want to encourage you, as you move forward into this new year, to refuse to live in the court of public opinion. 
because the crowd often gets it wrong. This man's a murderer, no doubt. Next verse, he's a God. The crowd often gets it wrong. Warren Wearsby said this, the way we respond to criticism pretty much depends on the way we respond to praise. If praise humbles us, then criticism will build us up. But if the praise inflates us, then criticism will crush us. And both responses lead to our defeat. And this leads us to our last thought today. Do you have one more in you this morning? Our last thought, keep on serving people. Be very careful who you listen to, but keep on serving people. Notice verse number seven. The Bible says this, in the same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us. That's an unfortunate name, by the way. Who received us and lodged us three days courteously. And so we see the governor of the island, this man that was in charge, apparently uh, he was hospitable, he was courteous, and that uh, went and reflected amongst the other people of the island. And so it, it, it trickled down. Notice verse number eight. Everybody still with me? Verse eight. And it came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and of a bloody flux, dysentery, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. And so... This man, the governor of the island that was hospitable, that opened up his own home for 276 people that came. Uh, uh, by the way, to show hospitality for, for one or maybe two people is one thing. How many of you have had some people staying with you this Christmas season? Anybody like that? Anybody staying with you? One or two people is one thing. 276 people in your house, that's a whole nother level, right? And, and Publius is, is showing them hospitality. He's showing them grace. And his father gets sick. And so what does Paul do? Paul goes and he uses this as an opportunity to serve, to show love, and he heals him. Now, miracles in the book of Acts were always used to confirm the word of God. And so Paul heals this man, heals his father. But this one opportunity to serve one person, watch what it did. It had a ripple effect, verse number nine. So when this was done, others also, everybody say others also, others also, which had diseases in the island, came and were healed. One opportunity to serve led to another. When you're given an assignment, I want to encourage you, do it well. Because that assignment could lead to a new opportunity to serve others. Here's what Paul was doing. He was focused on serving people. No matter the circumstances around him, it's not about me, Paul thought. It's about other people. I'm going to serve. And this opportunity led to another opportunity, verse 10, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laid us with such things as were necessary. Remember, they lost everything on that shipwreck. They, they lost it all. But now, as they're getting ready to leave, they were blessed with everything that they needed. They were there on that island perhaps three months, but they had everything that they needed. Paul kept on showing up. He kept on serving people. Now, Paul eventually did leave Malta. He left this island, and he eventually did make it to Rome. And the Bible tells us what he did at Rome, and Paul did what he always did. And I want to close with just a few verses at the end of Acts chapter 28. In verse number 28 of Acts 28, it says this. Be it known, therefore, unto you, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. And so Paul's message was the same, that there is salvation available for all people. That is what Paul was passionate about. That is why Paul was willing to shake it off and to move forward because there was a bigger calling on his life. He had to preach the good news of the gospel. 
And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and, went, and had great reasoning among themselves. And Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came in unto him. What was he doing? Verse 31. Preaching the kingdom of God and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ. With all confidence, no man forbidding him. Why did Paul shake it off? Why did Paul keep on moving forward? Because there were people that needed to hear the gospel message. You know why this morning we must shake it off as we go into a new year and why we have to move forward with confidence and why we can't dwell in the past? There are people that need to hear about the life-giving and the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. There are still people that need the gospel message. Can I tell you why we need to shake it off? Eternity is at stake. People need the gospel. And as we go forward into 2022, it's my prayer that our church would do much of the same that we would continue to reach out, that we would continue to have events and invite people in and share our faith so that more marriages can be restored and more lives can be changed and more teenagers can be saved and more kids can grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's all about the glory of God and more disciples give more glory to God. This is why Paul could shake it off and continue to move forward because he had a message in his heart that was burning that he just had to communicate. As a church... We want to make sure that at the heart of what we do is always the gospel message. It's always the good news of salvation. Paul said, I can shake this off. I I, I can shake off when I'm in a discouraging moment. A snake bites me. By the way, in life and in leadership, you're going to get bit. You're going to encounter difficulty. But it's how we respond that will define us. Are we going to shake it off and move forward? all learned to shake it off. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today.